Hello, what do you think of servants and what is their place in the Bible? Today on Search for Truth, your Bible teacher Brian Johnson looks at the role of the temple servants of the Old Testament and draws lessons for our Christian service today. Thanks again for joining us and I hope you enjoy today's study which widens our scope from previous weeks. If you have a Bible handy, Brian will be reading sections in the book of Numbers and later in Joshua, but I'll be reminding you after the hymn how to obtain the transcript book of these studies, which has all the Bible references in it, and it's free, but more about that later. Now let's hear about the temple servants with Brian. Thanks, John. The temple servants that we read about in the Old Testament were the poor relations of the priests and Levites. As a result, they're usually overshadowed in the spiritual teaching that we draw from each of these groups. But as I looked into the case of the temple servants, as we find them mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 9, and starting from there, traced where else they're mentioned in the Bible, it did seem to me that there were more and more features of those temple servants that appeared applicable to our service today. As we know, the Old Testament priests in Israel had duties that were connected with the altar and with whatever else happened within the temple veil. The Levites were those who assisted the priests in other duties, including transporting the tabernacle in those days when the temple was that portable structure. They also conducted what was known as the service of song, as well as acting as doorkeepers and treasurers, etc. The temple servants, in their turn, assisted the Levites. They had the heavier, more menial tasks of cutting wood and fetching water, simple, practical things, but how vital they were, because temple service really depended on them. In the days of Moses and Joshua, I want to suggest we read of the original temple servants, although they weren't called that then. In the days of Moses and Joshua, I want to suggest we read of the original temple servants, or Nethanim, although they weren't called that then. When we said they're temple servants, or Nethanim, we were using the original Hebrew word that meant temple servants. Its basic meaning relates to something that's been given. It's worth mentioning the Hebrew word Nethanim that meant temple servants, if only just to allow us to understand that what totally characterised these basic temple workers was their dedication. They were wholly given over to the service of God in his house as temple servants. If we take the time of Moses first, we read there about Israel's victory over the Midianites as follows. I'm reading from Numbers chapter 31. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You and Eleazar the priest and the heads of the fathers' households of the congregation take account of the spoils that were captured, both of people and of livestock, and divide the spoils between the warriors who went to battle and all the congregation. Also, collect a tribute tax for the Lord from the men of war who went to battle, one in five hundred of the persons, of the cattle, of the donkeys and of the sheep. Take it from their half and give it to Eleazar the priest as an offering to the Lord. And from the sons of Israel's half, you shall take one drawn from every fifty of the persons, of the cattle, of the donkeys and of the sheep and from all the animals, and give them to the Levites who perform the duty of the tabernacle of the Lord. 
Let's recall certain features from that short reading in Numbers chapter 31. Features that emphasise God's grace shown to those who'd become temple servants. These persons had once been enemies, who'd then been taken captive, and after being cleansed and purified, they were given over to the Levites to perform the duties of the temple. Do you see how all that relates to us? In the Bible letters of Ephesians and Colossians, it's described there how we were once strangers to God, enemies in our minds, but God took us captive through the gospel and through faith in Christ. We were cleansed from our sins so that we too could devote ourselves to serving God. Then we come to the time of Joshua. And there we read about how some people, known as the Gibeonites, tricked God's people into thinking that they were not their near neighbours. This is how it happened from Joshua chapter 9. However, it came about at the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were neighbours and that they were living within their land. Then the sons of Israel set out and came to their cities on the third day. Now, their cities were Gibeon, etc. But the sons of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders said to the whole congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This we will do to them, even let them live, so that wrath will not be on us because of the oath which we swore to them. So the leader said to them, let them live. And they became gatherers of firewood and laboured to draw water for the whole congregation, just as the leaders had spoken to them. But even though the compromise was to let them live as temple servants, being foreigners, they weren't always popular. Their numbers were viciously depleted in the days of King Saul. Second Samuel chapter 21 and verse 1 seems to indicate that he carried out ethnic cleansing among the Gibeonites. Most likely as a result of that, the kings who followed, kings David and Solomon, had to replenish the numbers of the temple servants who remained. Remember, in general, they were prisoners of war, captives who were required to become temple slaves in the land and worship of their conquerors, the Israelis. It's interesting but all those connected with providing Nethanim for temple service, that is, as we've been thinking, Moses, Joshua, David and Solomon, they all speak of Christ in a special way. And of course, it's Christ who gives people to his service today, as Ephesians chapter 4 says. Well, the next we hear of temple servants is back where we began, which was after the captivity of Israel in Babylon, and in the time, in fact, of Ezra and Nehemiah, for First Chronicles chapter 9 is post-exilic. They come to prominence as a recognised group. Some are mentioned as returning in the very first return led by Zerubbabel. Others are found among Ezra's party 60 years later. Now we see how they'd been given a more recognised and perhaps privileged position as devoted ones under authority. And so have we. It seems that they had developed a love for what had once been required of them. Why else would they have been prominent among the very first to return from Babylon? 
what had once been a drudgery done out of duty, perhaps, was now a matter of devotion. They returned when many Israelites didn't return, and surely that showed real faithfulness and loyalty to their appreciation of Israel's temple-dwelling God. This loyalty seems to have been rewarded by more formal recognition, as we say, at this time, because they're now mentioned expressly by name in the register of the remnant and reckoned along with the Levites as fully accredited members of the people without the previous stigma often allotted to vanquished people. From the fact that their houses were next to the temple, we might think of them literally living daily close to God, a privilege as well as a necessity for their service and for ours. The temple servants, or Nethanim, in Nehemiah's time, were among those who separated themselves, setting an example when compromise was the order of the day. Like them, we too need to be separate from compromise, seeing the original foundation of the apostles as the only biblical basis for collective witness today and not allowing ourselves to be diverted towards any limited version of the Great Commission. Lastly, since the Nethanim temple servants are mentioned in Nehemiah chapters 10 and 11, I think we may assume that they were there or thereabouts in chapter 12 also, which is worthy of being our final point of application. It's the setting of the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. Nehemiah formed two companies that praised God as they marched in procession on the new wall from its southwestern corner by the valley gate to the temple area situated in the northeastern corner. Walk about Zion, the psalmist said, and it happens three times in Nehemiah's record, with lessons to be learned from the start and end points on each occasion. And so for us, God brings us from the depths of the valley experience or trial to praise him in his holy hill and house. Well, you know, I hope our study has the same effect on you as it had on me personally, which is to think of being once an enemy, having been taken captive, but now purified and cleansed and given over to temple service. What grace that shows on God's part. Would that my response might match that of those temple servants, known originally as the Nethanim, to be thrilled not only with my salvation, but also with the prospect of serving in the house and temple of God and for that to become increasingly a joy, not simply a duty, and that I might aim to be loyal to the place where God is biblically said to live on earth among his people today. We can check out Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 22 for that. Desiring only God's approval, whatever lowly task I may appear to have, so long as I may live daily close to God in the service of his house.
As usual, let me remind you how you can freely receive the transcript book of all the talks in this series. As I mentioned, it's got all the Bible references in it. Firstly, you can download it yourself online and go to churchesofgod.info forward slash media to do it. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book. Just ask for the title Guarding the Gates and don't forget to include your own postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. The time's almost gone, just to say thanks for the pleasure of your company again today, and we really appreciate your interest. I look forward to you joining us again next time for the final study in this series, if you can make it. I hope to see you then. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers, and me, John. So see you again soon, and in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. (laughs) 